We did the tree back there this the holiday season, and Pastor wanted some gifts under it and put some tags on it, the gifts of God. And while I was making up the tags, I got really excited thinking about the gifts of God, not the spiritual gifts, not the nine gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to talk about that tonight, but we're going to talk about the gifts that God gives each one of us. And it's our decision whether we want to receive those gifts or not. Like, if let's say that the best gift was behind that door. You know, we needed something, and it was right behind the door. That computer that we needed for the sound system was right behind that door. And all we did was talk about that computer and how much we needed it. And the computer was right behind that door. But we never went over there and opened the door and received it. We couldn't use the computer, could we? And those are the same thing with the gifts of God, is that even though we all have these gifts, he gives each and every one of us these gifts. It's not like, you know, somebody who's a pastor gets all the gifts, and then if you're not a pastor or you're not working in the church or doing, you don't get any of the gifts. These gifts are for everybody. They're for everybody. And all we have to do is open up the door and receive them into our lives. So it says in James 1, 16 and 17, and by the way, if you don't take notes, I'm going to post this one up on Facebook or on, um, or actually I'm going to put it up on our blog and then on our Facebook because there's just a lot of scripture and it's something good that you might want to have and print out and keep it. It was exciting to me as I was doing it and looking at all these scriptures and thinking about how many gifts God gives us. It's just he pours his heart out into us because he loves us. We've all got these gifts. So it says in James 1, 16 and 17, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So every good gift comes from God. Everything that you have that's good is from God. Ultimately, it's from God. Now, some people are good givers. And we've tried to give people things over the years and, and to people here, too. You know, we've tried to give them things and they go like, oh, no, we can't take that. Oh, no, we can't do that. Don't be a good giver and a poor receiver. Oh, look at your face. (laughs) You've got to learn how to be a good receiver. See, because somebody else is trying to give you something. You know, and I've learned over the years, if somebody wants to give me something, I'm 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 a better receiver than what I was years ago. I've learned to receive it with joy and thanksgiving and say thank you. Amen. Somebody wants to give you something, don't cut their blessing off by not taking it. You know, sometimes we're so prideful that no, no, we don't want to take that. You know, we don't want to take that from you. And it's like, man, but I want to give it to you. It would you know, how many enjoy giving things? I love to give things. So, all right, so let's put you on the other end. Now you're the receiver, but you want to take somebody else's joy away from giving. 
So don't cheat somebody else out of their blessings. Don't cheat your heavenly father out of the blessing he gets from giving you these good gifts that we're going to talk about tonight. Go and open the door to your heart and let God give you some good gifts. Amen. Okay, so the the word and I like receive a gift. I don't like take. You know, they had that in the in the vows, you know, do you take this man? I changed our vows. I said I want to receive this man. I don't want to take this man. You know, I mean it just sounds so terrible, doesn't it? The the definition of take is to get into one's hands or to possess, but to receive is to have something given or sent. To have something bestowed or conferred upon you. It's just so much nicer. It's friendlier. You know, I received my husband. I didn't just take him. Like he was just a something off the shelf that you just take it. No. I received it. I received him. So that's how we do with God's gifts is we receive them into our lives with joy and thanksgiving. Because he wants to give us good things. So we want to... Sometimes we don't feel we deserve what God wants us to have or we think that we are taking that something that either doesn't belong to us or that somebody else can use or that we really don't need it. And we have to change our mindset when it comes to God. He's trying to give us things to help us. That's all. You know, and we think, oh, you know, I, I'm such a worm. You know, how could God just bless me? How can God do this for me? And and really, that's just a form of pride. Learn to receive from the Lord. Why did Jesus die on the cross? He died for us to learn to freely receive what he was going to do for us. So we want to learn how to receive from God. Now, here are some of the good gifts that God's given us. Very first thing he's given us is the gift of life. We wouldn't be here without that gift. And we're all here because God created us. Nobody came here from another planet. Nobody came here from any other way. God created everybody. That's how we're all here. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift of life that God has given us. What a gift. I mean, think about it. It's just amazing to me. In Psalm 139, 13 through 18, it said, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. So he gave all of us the gift of life. He wanted you to be here. You're not a mistake or an accident. God wanted you here. God was happy the day you were born. God was excited. God's happy when he looks down at this church and he sees us here. He goes, oh, there's my kids gathering again. So the gift of life is is the first one. The second one is after we got here, we had a sin problem. So he gave us the gift of salvation. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Amen. It's a freely given gift. And without salvation... We would still be on the planet, but we'd be doomed. 
So he had to get us here. Then he had to give us a plan so we could be saved. And it says, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And he gave us the gift of a free will. He's not forcing us to be saved. He's not forcing us to accept anything that he's done for us. We have a free will. We get up and walk out of the church and never come back again. We can say, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to do this. God's given us a free will. The gift of a free will is an amazing gift. When you think about how God made us and how he's done everything, and then he's let us out and said, okay, now you get to choose. Do you ever remember the first time you let your little ones make a choice? I bet you they felt like, oh, that's a lot of power. (laughs) So God gave us the gift of free will. He's not forcing us into anything. You know, if you'd seen anything on Facebook this week about this, this stupid professor who said that, you know, God was forcing himself on Mary and he's an abuser. And, you know, God gives us the gift of free will. He's not an abuser. If you want to go to hell, you can go to hell. If you want to go to heaven, then you need to do what it takes to go to heaven. You need to accept the cross. But God made it so simple. He didn't make salvation difficult. All right. The other gift that God gave us was the gift of protection. God defends us and he keeps us from being attacked. You know, if you've ever been in a situation where you need protection and you call on the name of Jesus, he's right there. Sends the angels there. It says in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Psalm 94, 1, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Another gift, the gift of healing. If we get sick, we have a covenant with God and we can ask him to heal us. It's a covenant right to ask. It's not like, well, you know, I know that I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have done that and made myself sick. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have. Well, just repent and then turn around and ask God for help to heal you. If you're doing something, you know, and I, all right, let's say that, I don't know something that you shouldn't be doing that you did do let's say you smoked and all right now you quit all right so you quit you repented and now ask god to help clean you up clean your lungs out and clean stuff out of you god's not going to sit there and condemn you you know we have to understand the amazing love of god god is not there like if you've had i had really harsh parents and maybe some of you had harsh parents God is not like your natural mother or father. God is so different. You know, all he needs to do is speak to us in a still, small voice. Doesn't that just convict you? I mean, that's even worse. I'd rather be yelled at personally. I'd rather have somebody yell at me than when God just corrects you so sweetly. And yet it's like, oh, gee, and you just want to, you want to die when he does it. It's better to somebody yells. At least then you can, I don't know, it makes me feel better than if somebody's yelling at me. And But when God does it, he just does it so sweetly. 
So if you get sick, don't feel like, well, yeah, I deserve this sickness because I did this and that. Well, you can have it, but why don't you open the door to healing and receive what God has for you? It says in Exodus 26:15, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Deuteronomy 7.15 says, And the Lord will take away from you all sickness, and none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. See, there's blessings and curses. You can, do you know you can live under the curse as a Christian because you've opened the door to that? You can do that. That's not God's will for you because he set you free from it, but you can do that. So we don't want to do that. We want to receive the healing that the Father has for us. Another gift that he has is the gift of prosperity. And not just money. But he says in Third John 2, Beloved, I wish that above all else that your soul prospers. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to have friends. He wants us not to, not to have mental illnesses and things that we push people away and other things that, that happen. He wants us to prosper in every area. And he gives us the ability to do so. You can prosper. You know, maybe growing up people called you dumb and said you wouldn't amount to anything. And, you know, well, you don't have to accept that. God doesn't make dumb people. You know, sometimes we're dumb because we failed to do the things that would help us to improve ourselves. But he's given you the ability to improve yourself, even at whatever age we're at right now. You can improve yourself. You don't have to be the way you are. People are so funny with computers. If they don't do computers, they're like so afraid of them. You know, right and nowadays, I can tell you maybe, all right, maybe 15 years ago, you should have been afraid of a computer if you pressed the wrong button. Today, they're pretty much foolproof. I mean, you have to work hard to do something to really mess up your computer. Not so in times past, but if you have a computer now, it's pretty much user-friendly, and you can learn how to do it. But there's some people that they, they just set their mind up that, you know, we, I can't go past that. They put themselves in a, a technological boundary and said, I can't do that because it's just too much for me. You can step over because God has given you that ability to prosper. You can do things more than what you can do. You know, I, I'm actually living proof of that. I've done things that I didn't think I could do. Like with the bookkeeping at the church, not this, but when we were down in Montgomery and I was doing bookkeeping, I was I was under so much stress. I'm reading this book. It's called um, Church Accounting for Dummies, I think it was. But um, I didn't know. I didn't even know what a chart of accounts was. I mean, I didn't know anything. And here I'm I'm, whole, I'm doing somebody's books. Thankfully, it was like a backup because he was writing all the checks. All I was doing was electronically putting it in. But you know what? I'll take a plunge and try anything. You know, it wasn't like I lied about it. They knew I couldn't do it. And they were thrilled that I was going to try it because I know I can, I know I understand the basics about a computer. The thing with QuickBooks, and then I learned it down there, so then when we came up here, I knew what I was doing here. But I had about a year and a half of learning down there 
and making mistakes and going back and having to go back from January and you know, all the way through to undo what I had done. But um, you can learn things. We set ourselves up to say, I can't do that. You know, math is not. But you know what? With QuickBooks, it always says, do you really want to do that before you do it? And then you take a look at it and you go, well, I don't know. See, 10 years ago, it would wipe out your whole thing because they wouldn't, they wouldn't ask you if you really wanted to do it. They'd just go ahead and do it. And now it's got like a safeguard. It's, like, it's so secret friendly. It's like, do you really want to do that? And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I better think about it before I say yes. So the computers now are so much more secret friendly. You can do so much more on it. But that, that's just an example. And he causes us to prosper, to take a chance and do something different. You know, stretch yourself out, learn a new hobby, do something different, meet new friends. He causes your soul to prosper. If you're lonely, do something different. Something. I mean, I don't know what to tell you to do. Saturday, we've got the food bank, 9 to 11. Come down to the food bank, meet some new friends, do something you know, we've had to we've had the privilege of having to do new things. Every time you move, you've got to meet new friends, do new things, find out new places to go, what to do. I had somebody ask me yesterday, "Well, do you know anybody in swimming?" And I said, "Well, I do now. I, I know a lot of people in swimming. I don't know their names or anything, or I know them by their name, and you know. But you just have to push yourself to get on from being shy." to prospering because God will cause you to prosper. Just take that step out. So it says in Deuteronomy 29, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Because the more connections you have, the more opportunity you have to reach somebody for Christ, the more opportunity you have to pray for them. If you just sit home and you can't do anything, and, and I'm not saying if you're sitting home because you have to do, you, that's where you are in your season of life, because we've all got different seasons of life. And if that's your season right now, then pray. You know, I took up knitting when when my season at home was sitting at home. I took up knitting and I just knitted like a maniac. And I now I really enjoy it and I still do it. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in any way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So it's a choice to open that door. And to do things different or to do what God would have us to do. All right. The next gift is the gift of righteousness. Isn't that good? We don't have to feel condemned or sinful anymore. The blood of Jesus has made us clean. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't care if you are a prostitute who murdered 25 people. Once you came to the Lord Jesus, wash that sin away. Now, I don't care if you were a liar or a drunkard or whatever you were, because we were all something, weren't we, before we got saved? We were something. We were all sinners. But some people, when they come into the kingdom, they carry that with them. You know, some of them, is a, it's like a badge of honor. 
And it's not. It's a badge of dishonor. But the past is past. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. It's, it's a gift that God has given us. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. He's given us the gift of righteousness. We are the righteousness. It's just like we've never sinned. And it says in Romans five thirteen and 17, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there, wasn't, there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so it is a free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. In other words, when Adam sinned, he condemned the whole race. But the free gift of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more that they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a gift. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he has made, a, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a gift. The gift of God's kindness and peace. The goodness of God transcends anything man can do for us. God is gentle and kind to each of us because he loves us so much. He's so gentle with us. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that has mercy on thee. John 14.27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Another gift he gives us is absence of fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to have that cringeworthy feeling. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He's given us a sound mind. You know, and sometimes we joke, oh, we're having a senior moment. If you have a lot of senior moments in a row, you speak to your mind and you say, no, God, you have given me a sound mind and I receive it in the name of Jesus. Let God give you that gift of a sound mind. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. And that's Isaiah 26.3. Another gift that God has given us. I mean, isn't this exciting when you start looking at the gifts? God is just, he's just freely handed them out. If you want them, you can have them. Are you bold enough to get them? But see, then we got to let go of some of these other things that we think are so cool, right? The gift of joy and strength God's given us. Even in the midst of terrible circumstances, we can have joy because we know God's there. Everything in this life is temporary. Doesn't that give you great joy sometime? Oh, my goodness, you just turn on the news and it's like, God, I'm so thankful this is all temporary. Because it's about to make you lose your mind. 
And sometimes you look at these things, it's like, oh, my goodness. But joy keeps us strong. Grief and sorrow makes you weak. Where we start condemning ourselves and we go back to the past and we say, oh, you know, I just did this. And, you know, I was a bad person. How can God love me? How can? And sometimes we hold on to those things. Like I said before, like they are a badge of honor. Let go of them and receive what God has for you. You can have joy. You know, when my kids were just being really flaky like two years ago, one of them wasn't talking to me and the other one was barely talking to me because I voted for Donald Trump. And it was just crazy. But I didn't lose my joy. Did it hurt? Yeah, it hurt. But I refused. And it made me almost militant as far as my joy level goes because I'm not going to let anybody steal my joy. I'm not going to. My kids are not going to be my joy thieves. And that is hard for a mother. But I refuse to let I refuse to let kids steal my joy. I refuse to let people steal my joy. I'm not going to let it happen. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's where I get my strength. You allow somebody to steal that joy from you, you're going to start getting spiritually weak and then you're going to start making poor decisions. See, he's given you the gift of joy so that you can keep your strength up. Now, I don't like it when my kids are, you know, one of my, my, well, I only have two, but my son just won't talk to me. He's just out there, you know, calling me complicit in the downfall of the nation because I'm, I'm a conservative. And you know what? I can't, I'm not going to be bullied. The other thing is, is if you try to bully me, it, it's, I don't take bullying very kindly. I refuse to be bullied into anything. I was bullied for years. I finally discovered that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So you can't bully me anymore into submission over anything. Well, plus he'll take care of you too. <laughs> now that I now that I think of it. <laughs> so all right, so. Let's see. I lost my place. Here we are. It says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 4. That's right after it says, You'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon him. And then, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting. Nehemiah eight ten, familiar verse. It says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions to them, for who nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. I don't care if it looks when you have Christmas and your relatives are all fighting. Note if you've got fighting relatives, tell them to stay home and fight in their own house. Why do you invite them over? You know, sometimes we endure these things. We think, well, you know, we're, we're just related to them. We've got to put up with it. Well, if Uncle Eddie gets drunk every Christmas and comes over to your house, tell him to stay home and don't lose your joy over it. Sometimes we're just so afraid that we're going to offend somebody. I I don't want to lose my joy. And if Uncle Eddie upsets me, Uncle Eddie, you're not coming to the house. We love you, but if you want to come sober and behave yourself, then you can come. But see, a lot of times we put ourselves through needless things 
because we don't know how to stand up for ourselves. And God will be your your guide. He will help you to stand up. If you're if you're somebody who doesn't stand up well, and I don't stand up well when confronted with those things, so I have to go to the Lord all the time if I've got situations like that. And I say, Lord, when I am weak, you are strong, so I need you to come with me to confront this situation. It always works out better like that. But don't put up with that stuff. You don't have to do it. If it, it might cause Uncle Eddie maybe to go to detox or something. And he realizes, yeah, I am pretty much a problem. But sometimes we enable bad behavior in our families and we make ourselves miserable in the process. I won't do it. And I haven't done it for years. That's why my son won't talk to me is because he can't bully me. And you know what? I have joy every day. Do I pray for him? Yeah, I pray for him. But I'm not going to sit there and weep and be in grief and let it drag me down. And every time you see me, you say, oh, my God, you know, that poor woman, look at her with that son. Nah, not going to do it. I pray for him. God, he's in your hands. And what I tell him is, God, you love him more than I do. So whatever you got to do, you go do your thing and I'm just going to go do my thing. I'm going to be happy today. Amen. So don't lose your joy over your family. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is our comfort teacher and he's our guidance. It says in Romans fourteen seventeen, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, he's pulled some some of those gifts are pulled together sometimes. Have you ever seen those gifts when you have you ever opened a box and there's like two more boxes in there? God just did it with that. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's one of those boxes where you open up and there's two gifts in there. And it's like, ah, there's two gifts and they're both good. The gift of divine direction. Did you ever need help in knowing which way to go? Well, God's got it for you. All we have to do is ask him. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Sometimes we just need direction. You get to the crossroads of your life. And we need a direction last year. Lord, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to start something in Conroe? You want us to, you know, what do you want us to do? We don't know what to do. Something you have to trust and you have to ask the Lord. And right into that same box is the gift of divine wisdom. Here again, God gives us wisdom in all situations that are too hard for us. And he does it sweetly. He doesn't yell at us just because we need wisdom. You know, he doesn't say, oh, you should know better than this. You know, oh, you've asked me before. I do that to Clarence. If he asks me something that he's already asked me, it's like, I've already told you what the answer is. But see, God doesn't do that, does he? God just sweetly answers it. He never gives us an attitude. It says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. James 1.5 Here's a real good gift that I think we've all needed at one time or another. The gift of a second chance, a do-over, or the gift of a third, fourth, or even fifth chance. Just because you blow it doesn't mean that God's done with you. 
People may be done with you, but that's that's on them, not on you. So what if you blow it? At least you tried, right? You tried, you blew it, maybe you lost your temper when you shouldn't have. Maybe you went out and you bought something you shouldn't have. You know, I used to do things like, you know, buy something I shouldn't have or lose my temper or do something I shouldn't have, gone somewhere I shouldn't have. And it would just eat at me for days and days and days. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Well, what if I hadn't done it? And now, guess what? I've learned. Repent. If you can make it right and do something about it, do it. If you can't, just move on. There's some things that you just can't go. But God is the God of the second chance. He's the God of the do-over. No, it's he's so gracious. He's so kind to us. He doesn't want us to quit. Don't be a quitter, but fight. I've had to learn how to be a fighter because I'm kind of like the other side of it. It's like, well, you know, okay, that's... I've had to learn, and God has put people in my life that has made me be more of a fighter. We can't just, just because you make a mistake, you know, well, I tried that once and it didn't work. Well, try it again and maybe it'll work. I mean, don't do it the same way. Try it a different way. But it just because it didn't work once, it doesn't mean it's not going to work. I think it took Thomas Edison over 700 times to invent the light bulb. Now, I'm not sure about that figure, but I heard that once. So I didn't verify that. But what if he had stopped at once? What would we do? We would be having real candles up here still, maybe. I don't know. Maybe somebody else would have come along and done it probably by now. But you can't quit after one time you try. It's like when you learn how to ride a bike. Did you just get on it and ride the bike? Well, if you did, you were a genius because I'm sure most of us, when we got on that bike the first time, we fell down a couple of times before we finally got it. So God is the, the God of the second chances. He's the God of the third chance, the fourth chance. How many ever chances you need to get it right? You know, when Xavier starts to walk, He's going to fall down, but he's not going to just say, well, I guess I can't walk like everybody else. No, he's going to get up and he's going to try it again. So don't be somebody who's a quitter. God will help you. God will show you. Ask him for wisdom. Say, Lord, why did I fail in that? I thought for sure that was right. And then he'll give you wisdom. It says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says, let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, get back on that bike. And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times Jesus said unto him I will not say unto thee until seven times but until seventy times it's Matthew 18 21 22 see the great graciousness of God we're sometimes done with people they do something and it's like all right we're done but God is so gracious he's, he's like we're not done yet just a little kink in the road but we're not done Another gift that God gives us, the gift of forgiveness. When we sin, he promises to forgive us and forget it. 
far as the east is from the west, he's forgiven your transgressions. He's forgotten it. But the key is repentance. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. Matthew six fourteen and 15. says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted into the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the richness of his grace. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7. He's forgiven us by his grace. It wasn't because of what we did. Another gift that God gives us is the gift of restoration and the removal of our shame. He restores us. God restores what's been stolen from us. And even if it was our own stupidity that caused the loss, God will restore it. Repentance and restoration go together. God will restore it. You know, if you had a broken childhood, I had a broken childhood, but God restored it. You know how he did it? He did it in a funny way for me. Put me in children's ministry. And then I got to play the games that I never got to play as a kid. I got to do things I never got to do as a kid. So you can't put God in a box as far as how he's going to restore things. You know, maybe you had a bad marriage or, you know, I got restored in that, too. I had two bad marriages and now I got the greatest man in the world outside of I guess you guys would differ with that. If you're married, you would say, no, you got the greatest guy. So I qualify that by saying I've got the greatest guy for me. So God is the God of restoration. If you've had difficulties anywhere in your life, God will restore it for you. That's another gift. It says in Joel 2, 25 and 26, And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. You know, he even, if you goofed up somewhere or if you emotionally, if you're, if you spent years in depression, if you spent years in grief and those are just lost years to you, God can make that up for you. It's a gift of God to restore you, to restore your emotions, to restore your health, to restore these things. It's a gift and it's right behind the door and you have to open it and you have to receive that gift. It's such a wonderful thing that all these things are available to us. It doesn't cost us money to do it. So it's not like, well, I'm too broke to to do restoration. You know, maybe I can do forgiveness, but I'm too broke for restoration. No, it doesn't matter. It's a free gift. It just depends on your attitude and how bold you are to go and grab that gift. Um, The gift of mercy. We've all needed mercy at some time or another. And God graciously, here's another gift that God gives us just because he's God and he can do it. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto his children's children. Psalm 103, 17. Lamentations 3, 22, 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The gift of blessing to our children. Because we're in covenant with God, 
God promises that our children are blessed. See, my son, even though he's out doing what he's doing, he's still blessed. You know, that's not up to me. That's up to God, right? And your children, whatever they're doing, they're blessed because it's a promise for God. It says in Acts 2, 38 and 39, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we have the gift of the blessing on our children just because we're in covenant with God. Our children are blessed. Another gift, the gift of grace. Our gracious Father loves us and extends to us the power to forsake sin. We have the power to forsake sin. And we have the grace to do what we need to do in our lives. If you want to learn a new skill, ask God for the grace to do it. If you want to do something different, ask God for the grace. God has got the grace available for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 12:9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In Titus 2:11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. So he's given us the gift of grace. The gift of comfort is the next one. In our worst times, God brings comfort to us. Man can't do a thing, but God can. When somebody's loved one dies, there's no words you can do. You can't make enough meals. You can't do enough because it, in that time when they're alone, when they're in their bedroom or their office and that grief hits them, nobody but God can bring comfort. It says, I, even I, am he that comforts you. Thou art. Who art thou that thou should be afraid of a man that should die and of the son of man which should be made as grass? That's Isaiah 51:12. I comfort you, the Lord says. Another gift is the gift of deliverance, complete deliverance for whatever it is. You know, if you know you have a lying problem, if you know you have, if you smoke, you drink, you do, you do things that you need deliverance from, you know, you cheat, you steal, whatever you need deliverance from, God has deliverance. It's a free gift of deliverance. Now, some of these things aren't instantaneous. God does not have a magic wand. There, you know, it's like, you're delivered. He can do that. I'm not saying how God's going to do it. I'm just telling you that the gifts are available. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keepeth all of his bones, and not one of them is broken. Psalm 34:19:20. Okay, the gift of availability. Ever felt like you were all alone? God is there all the time. He's there all the time. Even if you're all by yourself, if everybody else forsakes you, God's right there. And it says in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for you. See, you can't be passive with some of these gifts. You have to go and you have to receive that gift. 
For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, do you give him a stone instead? Or if he asks for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good good give good gifts to those who ask him? God gives good gifts. But the thing is, is you can't quit asking. He just gave you permission right there to keep on asking. Keep on asking. Don't give up. The problem with some people, why don't they get their needs met? Why are they still in torment? Why are they still in bondage and depression? And Because they give up before God gets the answer to them. It's not because he doesn't want to answer them. Sometimes the answer's on the way and... It's depending on other people doing things. And, you know, these people don't want to do it, so God's got to move on somebody else to help you. Or, you know, there's all different reasons why the answers don't come right away. Sometimes it's just to test your patience and to make you dig a little deeper. But he's got all these things for you. A good father. I mean, we've got several men in the room. And you're good fathers. You wouldn't want to see if your children asked you for a stone or for a piece of bread, you wouldn't give them a stone and say, there, be satisfied, would you? No, of course not. So your Heavenly Father doesn't either. But sometimes we've been mistreated by our family of origin, and we don't believe God. But God is not like your your natural father. God is a good God. He's a Heavenly Father that loves you very much. And sometimes it's not your, maybe you had a wonderful father, but maybe it was just by life circumstances, so now you just don't trust God anymore. We need to get back to trusting God, that he is a good God. The gift of eternal life, and this is the last one. Most importantly, God offers us an eternal life, a home in heaven. That's a gift. We don't earn it. We just showed up on the planet how many years ago. I showed up 61 and a half years ago. I just showed up. Because God wanted me there, right? And now God's saying, okay, I gave you the gift of salvation. I gave you mercy. I gave you grace. I gave you deliverance. I gave you this. And now at the end of the line, I want to give you the gift of eternal life. Amen? That's right. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't God good? We don't want to be stubborn children, do we? We want to be stubborn and not if somebody wants to give us a gift, what are we going to do? We're going to receive it with joy and thanksgiving. Don't let the joy, don't let your joy level be down. If you need help with things, just ask your Heavenly Father because He's got all these gifts. You go look out on underneath the tree and let those little tags be a reminder of the gifts of God and how good He is to all of us. He loves us all. And the thing is, is if I get like a huge gift of deliverance and forgiveness and mercy and grace, I get a huge gift. Doesn't mean that the rest of you get teeny gifts. He'll give you big gifts and you big gifts and you big gifts and you big. He gives us all big gifts if we are going to be bold enough to believe him and trust him. Isn't that good? He gives us good gifts. He's a good father. And we're going to celebrate the rest of this Christmas season just enjoying his presence, just thanking him that 
you know, Jesus Christ came so that we could have all these good gifts. Not any, not any reason that we're so good, but it's because he's good. Amen.